right, guys, welcome to episode two of Hockey Cards Gong Show. I am Josh, joined by Troy, and we're just a couple of guys who spend way too much time each weekend day researching, buying, trading, selling, and just connecting over hockey cards and thought that we would share some of that useful information with you. What's up, Troy? How's it going? It is going fantastic, Josh. What's going on with you? Every day is a gift. You have the tired tonight. <laughs> You okay? Am, you ready? I am I am super tired. I did not sleep well last night. Partly playoff games, partly other stuff going on. So now I'm here. I'm ready to go. All right, man. We do have a lot of information to get through today. We're going to try to be concise, but we think it's good information that will help you guys in the next week or so uh, navigate through the hockey card hobby. And to get rolling, I'm going to have Troy run through our game plan for today. Sure. So the first thing we are going to look at is a little playoff update and maybe some specific players and how the playoffs are affecting their pricing. Next, we are going to look at the hockey card market in general and just what the outlook is for it with all these moving pieces and some of the deals that are going on. And next, we will look at vintage versus modern cards. Where's the value at? You know, some of the background between vintage and modern to give you an idea of that. Next, we are going to look at new releases. What's new this week? And go from there into talking about eBay launching a Wayne Gretzky NFT and a little background on that. And then we will end the show with our personal pickups and or sales. And we will let everyone know what we are buying. And that should be the game plan for today. All right, Troy, you ready to roll? Should we get into the playoffs? I am really ready to roll because the playoffs have been absolutely nuts. So have you been enjoying the second round of the playoffs, Trey? I have. I uh, I've not watched every game, but I have been especially loving the Oilers, Flames, the whole battle of Alberta, and I've been just personally since the Blues beat the Wild, I've wanted to watch them, and watching Colorado and them battle it out and all the controversy going on with that has been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been actually really entertaining. What, what I thought we would do is just go series by series and highlight a couple of players from each team that I think are interesting from a hockey card perspective. So we'll start where you did with the Oilers and Flames. Right now, as everyone knows, Edmonton is up 3-1. I should also say that it is Wednesday night, the 25th, 7.30, where we are filming this, so everyone has a little perspective of where we're at with round two games. For the Oilers... Obviously, you have to start with Connor McDavid, who's gone completely bonkers. And with his 25 points, leads the NHL scoring for the playoffs with six goals, 19 assists. Looking at his card value and picking up off of last week's show, when we typically look at players, we're going to use their Young Gun PSA 10 wherever possible as a baseline to compare pricing and where the market is moving for that particular player. So looking at McDavid, again, he's 2015, Young Gun PSA 10. Right now is at around $3,100. It's up 34% in the last two weeks, which is some real healthy growth. But it's still $1,000 off its early 2021 pandemic height of the market, a high of $4,100. So if you think that the Oilers are primed for a deep run, there probably is... Uh, some upside there. And he actually, even at $3,100, might be a decent buy right now. Your thoughts on McDavid, Troy? 
Yeah, even even I love his pricing right now. Even if you just buy it and throw it in a box, like he's an he's an all time great. He's always going to be one of the top players in the league. If you're interested in it being a flip opportunity, I I don't know how much I I would buy into that, but I would just buy him because he's a great player and and keep him <laughs> or put him in my PC and have that sure. to show off. I think from a flip perspective, you're counting on them, you know, making it into the cup finals and possibly winning it. And, you know, that's where you would see a healthy return. For sure. The other player I want to look at, and it's really hard to avoid for the Oilers, is Evander Kane. Very much a lightning rod, but he has been lighting the lamp pretty consistently. Now leads the NHL playoffs and goals with 12. And from a, a collecting perspective or investing perspective, it's really hard to separate what he's doing right now versus his history and all the baggage that he that he has. There's really not a, a ton of sales. Uh, his last Young Gun PSA 10, which was from 2009, was sale was about a week ago for $137, but honestly, there really wasn't much beyond that. There is one live right now with three or so days left in an auction that last time I checked this morning was at 170 so we could expect a healthy increase over that $137 baseline. But, you know, unless you're really into Evander Kane from a PC perspective, to me, it's not a great buying opportunity. It's more of a Now's the time to dig through your old hockey card boxes, find any Kane rookies or autos, and uh, it's a good selling opportunity. Yeah, I, I would probably agree with you on that. Kane, he's just got so much baggage, and it's and it's a lot of dirty stuff that's going on, his bankruptcies, divorce, all that fun stuff. And it's just, if you're really into him, I would, yeah, dig through your boxes, find what you got. Maybe you can make some money off of them. Besides that, I'm not sure I'm in in the market to just buy Evander Kane. And who knows? How, I mean, how much is this being driven by just the Oilers and all? I mean, he's got he's got like a Cy Young line. I heard that on the Athletic Hockey Show where he's got 12 goals, three assists. So he is playing very well. Sure, I I think it's one of those flash in the pan kind of things with him, and I would probably stay away from you know trying to invest in him long term. Yeah, his age is a big factor, too. Right? Yep. He's in his 13th yep. season. So really, what could you expect going forward would be a key question you'd have to ask. Transitioning to the Flames quickly, to me, the story for them in round two has just been very quiet, other than Markstrom not being real good in my perspective. And the you know as far as players to look at, I really was interested in the round one star and Johnny Goudreau. And to see kind of where he his pricing has gone as he's been, like I said, pretty quiet here in round two. Similar to Kane, there's not a lot of sales of, of his rookie. It would be the 2014 Young Gun PSA 10, which right now Card Ladder has valued at $244, which is close to $100 down from the all-time high of $328, which was set about a month ago. I'm expecting them to get beat at this point. I don't see how the Flames come back. And so I, I think I'd be a hold on buying Goudreau as uh, I'm guessing we'll see some more price decline as we get into the offseason and he could be potentially be a good pickup then. 
Yeah, that's that's the only thing I would say about Gaudreau. If if you really like him, just wait till the off season. I I agree with you that Edmonton. I feel is just going to close this thing out. You know, with how well they're playing. So I don't think there's any value right now in, in buying Gaudreau and how he's had kind of just a, a quiet playoff series against them. Okay, now transitioning to Tampa and Florida. Uh, as we all know, Tampa swept the series, and really the star slash superstar of that series, and maybe the number two star in the playoffs behind McDavid, would be our guy Andrea Vasilevsky, who is beyond hot at this point. Agree? Yeah, he. I mean, he won the series. I mean, there's no no other way to say it. Even uh, John Cooper, when he's in the line with Brunette, the head coach from Florida, told him, he's like, our goalie just stole the game, stole the series, basically. So the sure. guy is, the guy is, he's the best. He is awesome to watch. And he, I, I love watching him play. And he is just going to keep riding it, I think. I think Tampa Bay is in a good spot right now. Yeah. And I guess what made me interested in him is coming off of a 49 save shutout in the clincher game four. And, on the heels of his third consecutive cup, this might be pushing him into that all-timer category if he wasn't there already. So I thought it was interesting to take a look at his pricing. He's a 2014 rookie as well. So his uh, 2014 Young Gun PSA 10 last sold on May 17th for 780. This is actually quite a bit off his all-time high of 1300 from January. One thing about this card, though, Troy, is it's a really low pop count. Yeah. This is a theme we see, of course, a lot in the hockey collecting world. So his PSA 10 uh, has a population of 130. Hmm. So I guess how I'm looking at Vassy is given he would, you know, he had some sales north of $1,000 just a few months ago. He has all the momentum and hype on his side right now, I think from either a collecting or a investing perspective, if you can buy him in the 850 to 900 range right now, that's not a bad buy. Yeah, I'd agree with you. We talk about him like he is a Hall of Fame guy. He's he's one of the greats. And I think it was, I can't remember the exact stat, but it was something like in decisive games or with the, it's either in game sevens or with the playoff series on the line. I think he's given up one goal or something, just some crazy stat. I mean, the guy is fantastic, and I would say I mean, his value is going to go just keep going up. So, yes, I yeah. agree. If you can find him at a good value in that 850, 900 range, I mean, he's an all-time great goalie. I would, I would be buying. The other guy on Tampa that I looked at was Nikita Kucherov. He is currently fourth in the playoff scoring race with 15 points at four goals and 11 assists. His uh, rookie year is 2013, so his 2013 Young Guns PSA 10 actually has seen some pretty big increases. It's up about 70% in the past two weeks, currently sitting around $800 in value. He's also close to his all-time high, which was 820 established a couple months ago in March. Again, still pretty low pop count. For him, it's 303 So I- I'm not sure... Given his age is getting up there a little bit, he's already close to his all-time high. I think both from a collecting and investing standpoint, I would be inclined to wait to buy 
for you know a couple months after the season from a selling perspective it seems like this is the time to do yeah. it if you're gonna sell get out i would get out i mean i would sell now take take your gains i mean 70 percent in the past two weeks i mean that's uh that's pretty nuts looking at the panthers obviously super disappointing round two for the president's cup winners two guys that i picked out to look at was uh, were barkov and huberto we'll start with barkov he again is 2013 a lot of these guys we're looking at were 2013-2014 rookie years. His PSA 10 is just over $300. For the past uh, six months or so, as you look at pricing, it's been pretty consistently in the 350 range. So he's about 10% or so off since they were bounced. Uh, again, really low pop count of 163 so it, I think again, if you're if you're a Barkov PC collector, you're gonna we're gonna continue to see declines going into the off season. I would tend to wait to buy, and I guess I'm not sure from a selling perspective if now is a good time to sell or not. Probably considering that that we're gonna hit the off season and we're gonna see those price declines. But I don't know if you agree with that or not. No, 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 that that's right. What what my think it would be on that one, uh, and then switching over to Huberto, really quiet couple rounds in the playoffs. Uh, paltry one goal and four helpers, based off of a real strong regular season. So his twenty thirteen Young Gun PSA ten with a pop count of two eighty six, hit an all time high of four seventy five in April, and is now about a hundred dollars off that mark. So his value is right around the 375 range. As you look a little bit deeper, though, into the pricing, what is pretty interesting is he was very consistently in the $200 range for the last couple years. And I think on the heels of finishing third in the league in scoring and a real strong second half, he saw a pretty big jump coming into January of this year and has pretty consistently been in that 350-375 range. So he's pretty close to where, you know, he's typically been. And, um, you know, at this point, we're going to see some price declines, I would expect. Agree. And I I mean, I would, if this is a guy you want to hold, I mean, he's still pretty young. Barkhouse like 26, if I remember right. So he's, I mean, he's got some runway still. If, but if you want to buy and hold... You know, you think he's going to be great and and keep going up five to ten years from now. Go for it. But, yeah, I agree with you on that one. Okay, let's switch to the Avalanche and Blues, who are probably still in the first period. No idea what the score is. But at this point, Colorado leads 3-1. I guess we'll start on the Colorado side. And really, who else do you start with other than Nazem Kadri? There's been a lot of controversy, obviously, going back from his, call it a questionable hit, knocking Jordan Bingington out of the playoffs, and all the hoopla around the subsequent death threats and racial messages that that he's received, which obviously is not a good thing. Beyond the controversy, he's played pretty well uh in last game you know game four he had a hat trick so it was a really good i guess answer from his perspective to all the haters and 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 for that reason i I wanted to take a look at pricing what i found was pretty interesting in in that there really traditionally hasn't been a big card market for cadre i wasn't really even able to find any sales of his 2010 young guns psa 10 i'm actually not even sure what the pop count is 
Uh, I'm assuming it's pretty low. That being said, though, there have been a number of raw sales in the $10 to $20 range in the last couple days. So, you know, this could be an opportunity for flippers to snatch some up, maybe send to SGC on a five-day turnaround. And if you think the Avalanche are going to make a deeper run and Kadri continues to play well, there could be some upside there. But like I said, I, I really haven't seen a lot of long-term value or, in, or really even investing in his cards to this point. No, there, I, I would say if, if this is a short term, if you think Colorado's going to win the Cup, Get and you want to get on the Kadri train because I mean he has played very well. I've been extremely impressed with his poise during all the crap that he's had to deal with. Um, obviously the play on Bennington, I don't think he tried to injure him, but I don't think he tried to slow himself down either. <laughs> so it's kind sure. of one of those things. I mean he was playing, he's just playing hockey, and, and something bad happened. But the fallout from that has been just the worst of the worst coming out. And I thought he's done a really good job handling it. So if you think he, he's going to ride the wave with Colorado and go to a cup, I mean, there's flipping opportunity there, like you said. But I am yeah. not a long-term Nazim Kadri guy. Yeah, I think for me, I'm staying away. The other uh, guy I want to talk about a little bit is Kale McCarr. Other than Adam Fox, for me, he's the other blue liner of note so far in, in round two of, of the playoffs. He's currently 11th in playoff scoring with 12 points. He's got three goals and nine helpers. Much younger, of course. His 2019 Young Gun PSA 10 is currently valued at a whopping 765, um, which is in the range where it's hovered over the last few months. It's typically, you will see pricing in the 750 to 800 range. He's obviously young. He has a pedigree with the Hobie Baker. And I think most people would agree, has a ton of, of upside. One interesting note, though, is this is where we're starting to see the newer guys, the boom in the whole sports card market. Uh, any idea what his pop count is for his Young Guns PSA 10? What would your guess be? I do not. I'm going to guess, let's go 300. It's almost 1,200. Wow. <laughs> so it's 1,191. And I think you would presume is climbing. As PSA is getting through the backlog, more people are going to be submitting cards. I, you know, where when you're when we're talking about young gun cards from 2012, 2010, 2013, you'd presume most of those are that you know are in that PSA 10 shape have probably been submitted. So I think when we're looking at Macar uh, from an upside perspective, he might be a decent buy from a PC. I know it's kind of crazy. To say when he's at 765. But again, if you think that they're going to make a deeper run into the playoffs, he's going to continue to build off of the early success that he's already had. I think that we're going to start to see values next year going north of a thousand for him. Yeah, I agree 100%. Makar, I mean, he's got it's so much upside. 23 years old. The way he's played, he's just so poised. And there's nothing, I think, nothing but positives with him. So I would definitely be a PC or a long-term hold it. I, I think you're going to have a, a big run with him in the future. And just to give you an update, you know, when we're recording this, it is now 2-0 Colorado against St. Louis. McKinnon's, oh got two, McKinnon's got two goals already, first period. Okay, so it's now all the haters will stop uh, saying that McKinnon hasn't been doing anything. I've seen a lot of that on Where's McKinnon talk on Twitter and Instagram the last couple of days. Yeah, well, he, he showed up now. <laughs> Okay. From the Blues perspective, the only really player interesting to me right now that I wanted to look at 
was David Perron. He, his nine playoff goals only trail Evander Kane's 12 for NHL leaders this playoff season. He's a little bit older. His 20, 2007 Young Gun PSA 10 has a population count. Okay, now here's another pop count quiz. What do you think his pop count is? Oh, Perron, um, 10. <laughs> You're actually not that. You're not that far off. It's four. Oh, wow. So it, it less old than 2019 for about $50. I, I would think it's probably north of 100 at this point. So there really isn't much to go off of from a PSA slabbed perspective, but you can pick up his raw young guns right now in the 20 to 25 range, which I think is, you know, he's really the only Blues player that showed up uh, over the last few games. And, you know, so if you're a Blues PC collector and you can pick up his young guns in the 20 to 25 range, to me, that's a pretty good deal. Yeah. And, you know, Piran is not my favorite just from a personal standpoint. And I was, I didn't really like his flying elbow that he, or it wasn't a flying, but he took a good elbow shot and missed uh, last game. I think it was on Kadri. He tried to hit yep, him and he told, scored and he, the goal. Yeah. And he whiffed. And so that, I mean, if that one connects, that's kind of dangerous. But it's, again, it's hockey. And like you said, Perron's, he has had a really great playoff series. I didn't, I didn't realize he was second in, in goals. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not a, a big prawn collector or from an investment standpoint or a PC sign. Yeah, and it looks like, as you mentioned, all signs are pointing to this being it for the Blues tonight. So the last series we want to look at is probably our most competitive series where we have the Rangers and Hurricanes currently knotted up two games apiece. I already mentioned Adam Fox from the Rangers perspective. In my opinion, he's having a breakthrough performance in the playoffs. He's seventh in scoring with 13 points and probably a strong buy right now. Yeah, I've really liked Aaron Fox. Or, sorry, Aaron Fox. <laughs> there was a guy that played hockey at Mankato State called Aaron Fox. It was not Aaron Fox. Adam Fox. I think he has been absolutely fantastic just watching how he's been controlling the puck, his vision. He's doing things that a lot of D don't do, and he's doing it really well, and he's finding just these slight openings to make assists and good passes. So he has been a, an absolute really, really good player this playoff series. So if you had to pick a, between Fox and Makar, who are you betting on more in the long term? I, for the long term, I'm a Makar guy. Okay. Reasons? I just like you know how young he is. I think he has a just a ton of upside. Some of the stuff you see him do at 23, again, how he uses his body. He's very smart. You know, he doesn't get caught a lot of times and all that stuff at 23 is really hard to do at the NHL level. And if he can keep growing, I think he's going to be just a force. Sure. The other guy, and this is where my name pronunciation skills are going to be tested that I want to take a look at was Mika Zibanejad. Just say the guy with the guy with really long hair. Yes, the guy with really long hair. Has been on a huge tear and is currently fifth in playoffs uh, scoring race with 15 points, five, um, five goals, and 10 helpers, I believe. Only a 84 pop count on his 2011 Young Guns PSA 10. And the price has really stayed steady, hovering around 150 this year. So given that his price hasn't moved much, part of me questions, will it? If they continue to win and playing good, is this just how people view his value? Or is it a decent pickup right now where if you think that the Rangers have a cup run in them, 
that you could have a potential value opportunity. Yeah, and I'm, I don't have a good answer because he was one of those, you know, I didn't know a lot about him until I started kind of looking into him. And he's consistently, you know, a th- right around 30 goal scorer a year, you know, since 2017. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I didn't really have a, an opinion on him, but just watching, he's, I mean, he's flies. He's just all over the place. So I definitely think there is a little bit of upside to him. It's just, is he just kind of one of those forgotten guys that everyone thinks he is what he is and, and that's it and there's that's what he's always going to be. Yeah, I, I guess for me, I'm putting him right now squarely in the PC collector realm. If that's your bag, then go ahead and, and buy it. But from an investing standpoint, I think there's probably better options. Last player I want to look at is Carolina. This is one of my favorites. Are you a Sebastian Ajo guy? I am a Sebastian Ajo guy. I think you're more of a Sebastian Ajo guy than I am. So I'm uh, I'm ready to sit back and learn from you on him. <laughs> okay. So he's had a little bit of a meh performance in the playoffs. So I've been very mediocre so far. He has nine points, ranking him 27th in the playoff scoring leaders. That being said, though, I think there's a case that this is a good buying opportunity for the short term if you think that, again, they're going to make a run deeper into the playoffs. So his rookie is 2016, Young Gun PSA 10, currently sits at about $175. It's been bouncing between where it's at now and $250 really for the past year. And I guess I'll get into why I think he's a buy. He's still very young, 24 years old. It's coming off a very strong season where he had 81 points with 37 goals. Both are second best for him in his five-year or so career. I think Carolina is a good team and that that he, he should continue to have point opportunity. I guess I do worry about the market a little bit. And here's a case, and I'm sure this will come up a lot for us, is I look at a guy like Ajo and I think, okay, if he played on Toronto – would he be at $175? Yeah, that's a good point. I, I doubt it. I, I think the hype machine would be really building up that that value. Uh, and again, you look at comparing Aho to like a Makar or Adam Fox. I know we're comparing a top six guy to a defenseman, but where they're sitting at the $750 range and you've got this kid who still is 24 years old and is at 175 bucks. To me, that doesn't quite make sense. So th- that's our wrap-up on the playoffs where we're at in round two. As we continue to go in uh, or get through subsequent rounds, we'll be looking at other players, giving updates as to where some of the pricing is moving uh, based on teams that are continuing to perform well or get knocked out. And I guess from this point, we're going to look at the hockey card market as a whole. So I'm actually really excited to have a conversation about the market in general and have spent probably too much time in the past week looking at it. I thought the way that we would approach it, Troy, is I would start with a status where we're at with the market and then state my case for where I think it's headed from an optimistic and then maybe some pessimism wrapped in there as well and bounce that off you and and see if you agree, disagree, or what your input might be. Definitely. So from a current status perspective, the hockey card 
market value via card ladder is down right now a little over 4% in the past year. To me, that kind of makes sense. If you look at the dumpster fire that our world seems to be right now, (laughs) and if you compare it to the how much the stock market is off the definitely the crypto crash which we won't talk about because it's mm-hmm. a little bit of a sore subject but you know it's actually probably treading water is is a good way good way to put it which which to me isn't bad for like i said the global events of the past 6 months yeah to me it's actually that's better than i thought it would be being down four, what do you say, four percent in the past year? That's actually a little better than I thought. I thought it'd be about ten percent or something. So, yeah, with with everything going on, that's actually kind of a little reason for some optimism. And the trend is a little worse. The last couple of weeks haven't been great, but you know that could turn around pretty easily too. So we're down a little bit more than four percent in the past year. But if you zoom out a little bit over the last two years, we're up three hundred twelve percent. So you'll hear a lot of pre-pandemic pricing versus pandemic pricing and post-pandemic pricing definitely in a lot better shape than pre-pandemic going back a couple years ago. If I try to drill into the numbers and try to give a qualitative assessment as to as to what's happening, my read is we're as the market's pulling back a little bit, we're going we're starting to see Lower-end cards struggle. Base cards, you could sell base for quite a bit a couple years ago. They're really tough to move and build value on right now. And, and I think that that's pressing the market down a little bit because obviously there's a lot of base cards out there. The flip side, though, is from a high-end perspective, we're seeing records almost every day. And I think this is one of the core tenets of optimism that you might have in the market where, and especially if you go beyond hockey into other sports, we're seeing daily records where where we have three, four, five X increases over a year ago on a lot of these cards. And so the people with money are still spending a lot on, on hockey cards. Yeah, that's one thing I've noticed too. Just looking at you know my own eBay account and when I go out there and look at these high-end cards, Cup or National Treasures from a while back, those cards are still selling at a lot of money. <laughs> I mean, I, I see a lot of cards going over for $1,000. So it's good to see, you know, the high-end stuff is still selling. Card Ladder puts out the report, and there's usually a, a new record in there for a hockey card. You know, every week there's something new in there. So it, it's good to see that people with money are still spending their money on the, on the high-end stuff. Yep, totally agree. So to quickly recap, from a total market perspective, we're down about 4%. Oh, we're up 300 plus percent over the past two years and we're seeing lower end cards struggle, higher end cards are still doing well. And as we take you know a look at the maybe question, so what does the outlook look like? What does the next 12 months or 24 months look like in, in the hockey card market? And here's my case, I guess, for optimism. A huge deal for me and honestly what got me back into hockey cards about 18 months ago and really deep into it is the national TV deal that went into effect this year. To me, hockey was, for the last 10 years, has been very much a regional niche sport. And having the games 
not only in the playoffs, but in the regular season on ESPN, ESPN2, TNT, and TBS is huge. For sure. I mean, having them the past, before this national TV deal, it was almost a joke that hockey games were only on like NBC Sports Network for the national TV deal. That was almost embarrassing. So getting this national TV deal and getting more people and having these games on at primetime is a huge deal. And we'll talk about this probably more at a later date. I do think the studio shows could be better. But Oh my God, don't even start me on the studio shows. It's like, oh, they're so painful to watch at times. Yeah, I guess all I'll say is I know TNT is trying to copy the mold for the NBA crew and uh, you know, which is obviously fantastic. Those guys do an amazing job, and they're certainly not not there yet. Um, it sounds general, like it's kind of it's kind of like this podcast, right? Like, <laughs> yes, sad but true. What we're seeing is, you know, looking at the data, is the national TV deal is having a big impact. So through the first round this year, uh, playoff TV ratings were up 26% over last year. To me, that's exciting. And hopefully that's giving the larger networks, the TNT and ESPN, confidence that uh, their investment that they made in hockey is is paying off and can build into the future. Next thing I want to look at is league-wide scoring is up, which to me is a very good thing. And it continues to build hype around the players. In the sports card market, hype is the number one driver of value. And this year, we had, when we look at sort of macro data, uh, there was an average of 3.14 goals per game, which was actually the highest rate since 1995. To me, that's pretty, amaz- that, that's, that's pretty amazing given how good goalies have gotten. I guess part of that is helped by that they made the goalies shrink their equipment. They can't just wear the biggest possible pillowcases in the world and sitting yeah. net. So they, they kind of, you know, got the breezers down and, <laughs> and fixed kind of that stuff. But that's really, that's a really interesting stat. So, and when you marry that with the fact that we had 800 point scores, that's huge, which again is the highest since 95. I actually took way too much time and went back year by year and looked at 100 point scores in most years, there would be one to four 100-point scores in a regular season. And so to have eight this year, I think, is a positive sign. And if that continues, we'll see values continue to go up more and more. Yeah, I mean, people dig goals. I mean, if, and goals and points. And if you can get more 100-point scores, more power to you. And that just builds excitement and more highlights on TV. The next point I would make is there... I guess I think there's a really good crop of young stars that are driving more interest into the game. When we look at, you have McDavid and Matthews and Kaprizov, Makar, Marner, Aho, and a whole bunch more. To me, that gets me really excited for the next three or four years. And, you know, where we see the, the you know, as these guys continue to produce, where, where we see their values go. Yeah, and to me, the really exciting thing about the young stars is once the NHL can actually figure out how to market them, which they've done an absolute horrible job in the past, they can figure that out. That That's exciting, too. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Believe me, I've, I've got that point written down. Another case I have for optimism in the hockey card market is really in the past year as we, we've seen a lot of niche sports do real well. 
the big sports are always going to be football, baseball, basketball. I think as those markets have become saturated and prices have been driven way up, people have looked at other avenues to put their money in. And so we're seeing, you know, huge increases in golf and tennis and wrestling and F1 probably is the biggest darling of those all and and the hockey card market as well. So there's a lot of interest moving outside just the the three big sports. Uh, I also think Fanatics Purchase of basketball, football, and baseball licenses is a plus, you know, I guess, and also plus the purchase of tops will do great things just to expand the sports card market in general. And I guess here I'm looking at the high tide raises all ships mentality, where I think the hockey card market will only benefit uh, from that. Yeah, my only hope, my or my only worry is that do those sports take off and leave hockey behind <laughs> since we're so, you know the hockey cards are such a niche market. Yeah, and I think a little bit of that depends what happens with upper deck. Yeah, for sure. Which is a little bit of a mystery yep. right now. I think another I guess reason for optimism is as of right now the hockey card market is more accessible than bigger sports. Uh, it's a lot easier to find in retail. The box prices aren't insane. You're not looking at $1,500, $2,500 for a hobby box. And I think the uh, you know the barriers to entry are a lot smaller. And, and so it's, it's much more inviting to get new collectors into the hobby. Yeah, for sure. Pricing on boxes is definitely lower. Plus, you know, just from my personal experience going to a Target or a Walmart – Usually there is hockey available more than the other more than the other sports, so that's maybe a good sign, or maybe it's just because we're in Minnesota that they put more hockey product out, or that no one buys hockey. <laughs> yeah, it's a little hard to tell because yeah. you're sort of a captive of your surroundings a little, and you know we don't. I guess I don't know what Targets or WalMarts in Florida look like, but uh, it just. It, it, I guess I can base. My thoughts on accessibility, more looking at hobby box prices and new yeah. release prices. You know, you have Stature going live today at $200 a hobby box. If that's Panini 1, I don't know the price off the top of my head, but it's five, six, seven yeah, times. Yeah, it's, it's a ton more. I can tell you right now, I was in Florida in March and they had a lot of wrestling cards at Target. So, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> makes sense. The last point I would make for my optimism on the market is just the general increase, I guess, in acceptance on alternative asset investments, which is super big words that I probably don't completely understand. But it's just people generally, I guess, looking outside the stock market and valuing and putting money into whether it be sports cards or NFTs or art that it seems like that it's becoming much more accepted and actually a true part of a investment and wealth building portfolio. Yeah, they'll always you always hear like the collectible market is an inflation hedge. So that that kind of is coming into play right now. So we'll actually see what happens (laughs) if the inflation keeps going, you know, crazy and the stock market goes down. What what do what does the card market and hockey cards do? Uh, Hopefully it goes up. But that's just probably me being overly optimistic. So to transition to a risk perspective, there's really kind of four core risks that I was able to come up with. The first one to me is pretty obvious. It's the economy. It's been a pretty rough year. We have inflation, stock market losses, disposable income tightens up, and 
There's less people buying into breaks or buying hobby boxes or buying at retail that could drive prices down. From what I understand, wax and and breaks are still doing well. Single prices are down a little bit. I think that kind of makes a little bit of sense when you know factoring in where the economy is at. But to me, that's probably the biggest market risk going forward. For sure. Uh, my second point is what you brought up earlier and is a huge pet peeve of mine. It's the it's NHL marketing and their inability to create personalities. Whether you love basketball or not, what you can't argue is that the NBA is brilliant at marketing their players, shining a light on their personalities. And, and I guess as a fan, you really get to know and understand who these people are or what they're about, where hockey has always seemed a little bit more closed off to me. Uh, and actually a good example, which is very local here, but I know, Troy, that you've probably seen are the, uh, I guess, of an attempt to turn this around is the our local team here, the Wild, have done a really good job. They had a campaign this year called It's Not Weird, It's Wild, <laughs> yes. where they focused on personalities. They're making t-shirts for Marcus Foligno and his moose persona playing off of the Kirill Kaprizov, Matt Zuccarello friendship. And I, I would love to see the NHL on a larger scale continue to promote players more and more. I do have a question for you around that though. And, and you've grew up much more in the hockey culture than I did. But a theory that I have around kind of why personalities are marketed more is hockey is very much a game that polices itself, right? And as part of that enforcement and policing, when a player, for whatever reason, tends to stand out of the norm or norms or culture, and I think baseball's almost been like this in some ways too, that the, the sport itself, the players police it. And so I'm wondering if players haven't felt free to let their freak flag fly with you know with the fear of repercussion that almost that the culture of the players is to conform to this one hockey player mold. Yeah, Does that's that make a good, sense to you? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm not sure it's that. I just think hockey players and their personality and makeup's just a little different. They're more I want to say hockey players are more down to earth. They're not eccentric. You know, a lot of them play hockey, and then during the summer, they go to their cabins. <laughs> um, sure. You know, so maybe I think that's part of it. I think it's just a different culture with hockey players over over these other, you know, NBA big marketing kind of thing. But the NHL does need to do a better job at marketing them. It, it's abysmal. The one thing that's came out, too, that was kind of interesting. I can't remember. I'm going to get the Kachuk brother wrong. But Brady Kachuk, I think, is the one that has been at the games of his brother, Matthew, in Calgary. And they've been showing him on the Jumbotron. He's been screaming. The NHL sure. kind of ran with that. And they started putting Instagram posts out. And then there's That's one awesome. where he's you know slamming Bud Lights and actually signed a marketing deal the next day with Bud Light. <laughs> well, I think Pronger did that at a Blues game, yeah. too, didn't he? Yeah, so that's kind of – you can see some of that stuff. They're trying to get into it. But then, you know, I was listening to a, an athletics show, and they were talking about how – uh, Kachuk's dad was kind of like, hey, we need to kind of step that back. You know, we're taking away from the playoffs. So, you know, it's, again, it comes up to that mindset and that culture of hockey players just being a little different. Sure. 
Another risk to the market, I think you have to look at upper deck as a, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but where the company is at, how it fits into the overall card market, to me, it is a risk. So they have, in 2021, they extended, or the NHL extended license agreements with upper deck through 2026. So we've got at least four more years, likely of upper deck. I guess unless they're bought by Josh Luber. And honestly, I don't even know the true story. I probably should look into it more. But I think I know Upper Deck's a privately held company. I think the founder passed away. It's in some sort of receivership. And that just, to me, makes everything complicated and messy. And also means that when companies get into that state that you can't make fast decisions, that you you kind of have to stay within the box where you're currently at and can't take risks and try new things. And to me, that's not great. Yeah, and one thing with Luber, I believe on the when he first had an interview with Sports Card Nonsense, he talked about Upper Deck and how he liked Upper Deck as doing hockey. I'm not that's not a direct quote, but I think he was talking about Upper Deck and them doing hockey. And if they went after hockey, at some point, I got to believe someone might step in, like the government, and be like, hey, you know, you can't own every single market. But I don't, sure. that's obviously way above my pay grade. I'm not a lawyer. This isn't legal advice, all that yeah. kind of stuff. But so. So I, I guess we'll have to see what happens with, with Upper Deck, but they do have the NHL license again through 2026. And my last point on risks is. I don't mean this to be negative, but it's hockey, and it's a niche sport. It never will have the mass appeal or popularity that basketball, especially being a global sport that it is, or football. You know, It may catch baseball to some extent if they can't figure out how to connect with young viewers, but it'll always play second fiddle to certainly, I think, basketball and football for sure and i mean hockey is i mean there is a global aspect to it but you're really limited you know it's not as big as basketball yeah you got the scandinavians you know the russians if they ever figure out their (laughs) society and and invading everyone but uh like russia's been kicked out almost every tournament now and they're getting all the stuff pulled from them for hosting so but yeah and and part of it too is i think a lot of people in hockey in the hockey world like it being a niche sport Obviously, we'd like to grow it. We want to get it bigger, but there's just kind of some backlash there, too, as well. Sure. There's probably almost a protective instinct to the hockey purists or the old-timers, which to them, has been, you know, hockey's been their thing for for their life. But for my money, I would like to see it grow. And, yep. and given that it's a niche sport, it's always going to be limiting. So I, I guess to recap, the market is not currently in a bad space my personal opinion is i think there's more room for optimism than pessimism i think the general elevation of the sports card market as i said i'm a massive believer in the national tv deal and the benefits that that will have for the league and i really love the young stars to me it's i just can't wait to watch and see how these guys grow and get better yeah, and, and we're spoiled, too, because we got Kaprizov. That's someone that we've never had. We've never had a player like him. And then that kind of just builds off to looking at around the league and seeing all these other young, great stars that are coming up. And it's a really exciting time. Okay, Troy, a little bit of an on-air production meeting. I know we had planned on looking at new 
your modern cards versus vintage, but since we're already 40 plus minutes into this podcast and we have some other stuff that we really want to get into, I'm voting that we punt on that and cover that in next week's episode. You good with that? I am completely fine with that. Let's keep rolling on to new releases. New releases. We need like a sounder. (laughs) So we talked about Stature last week that releases today. That's really the bigger of the two releases in the last two weeks. The only other one this week, which I think is out already now too, is the Upper Deck Series 1 Tin. And just wanted to cover that real quickly. And I do have a little bit of a perspective on it to share as well. So the tin comes with eight packs. Uh, it's actually the same as the blaster box. So you'll see that you'll have two young guns on average. Again, same as a blaster. One differentiator is it does have a special pack that has three OPG glossy rookie cards. You can already find a bunch of those on eBay if you want to see what they what they look like. And, of course, the other, I guess, differentiator would be that you get the tin itself versus a cardboard blaster box. From a value perspective, honestly, I don't really see it. So the retail or MSRP on the tin is $30. Again, if you compare that to a blaster box at $20, you are getting the same amount of packs, the same amount of odds to get young guns, and essentially you're paying a $10 premium for the three pack of OPG Glossy Rookies and the tin itself. The prices I'm seeing for the Glossy Rookies on eBay, a Zagres or Caulfield are on the $5 range. You're probably just better off going and purchasing those cards on Facebook, eBay, or some other secondary market and saving yourself. You know, I guess if you wanted to make a case for this being a good buy, this is probably a good kid's product which I think they would really appreciate the tin more than you or I would. Yeah, that's the only thing. It's like the tin <laughs> is good, I guess, and the, the, the three extra cards for 10 bucks. you know, go get who you want on eBay. All right, so that's it for new releases. Troy, you had brought up and added to the agenda the uh, eBay Gretzky NFT. Do you want to cover that quickly? Sure, and I just wanted to bring this up. This will be very quick. You know, we are not NFT experts. We've definitely researched them and looked into them. But I thought it was interesting. You know, this is eBay's first NFT, and it was really interesting to see that they partnered with Wayne Gretzky to be the first one. So, doing some background research on it, you know, it's a, it's kind of, it's on the Ethereum sidechain Polygon. It's issued through a partnership with Sports Illustrated and the NFT platform One of which is something I didn't know about, so <laughs> just like everyone else. Yeah, you've pretty much lost me at this point. Yeah, just like everyone but else, I, I probably had to do some research on this just to figure out what was going on. But at the end of the day, there's 13 different types of NFTs of varying tiers that re- that they're releasing on eBay. They're ranging from ten to $1,500. They're all 3D renderings of a younger Gretzky in various poses. You know, They're kind of like action figures or think about those... Uh, well, the starting lineups, they kind of look like that. Some of them do. And, yeah, and, they, and then some of the NFTs have a Gretzky digitized autograph. So do they contain any of the NHL licensing? So is he in an Oilers or Kings? Yeah, he's, or in, a, he's in an Oilers jersey, if I remember right. I didn't, I'm didn't. i not going to bring it up right now, but I believe he was in an Oilers jersey. So, yeah, it's got, it's got that. It's interesting. They sold out of all the top tier ones, like the out of 15 
out of 50, I think, and there was another one. Those were all gone. What did those go for? Uh, the, the out of 15s were going for like 1500 bucks. And those were okay. those were sold out. And when I looked this afternoon, you could still get some of the out of two ninety nines. Those might be gone by the, by the time we are live. So it was interesting to see. I mean, it looks like there's a market for it still, even though you know crypto and all that's been kind of getting hammered. But NFTs are here to stay. You know, you can hate them, that's fine. But they're definitely got a place, and there's definitely an interest in them. So I just wanted to bring this up as kind of attention that you know a hockey player Wayne Gretzky being the first NFT that eBay launched. So, sure. So do you own any NFTs yourself? I don't. And I actually looked at buying this Gretzky one. And when I went to purchase one, it was like one of the $10 ones. It actually wouldn't accept like a credit card through eBay. You had to have yeah. a PayPal account. So I just said, screw it. <laughs> I didn't want to deal with the extra step. So Gotcha. A couple years ago when NBA Top Shot launched, I did try to get an early, not Series 1, but Series 2. And bought a few of those, but I generally don't understand the NFT world and call me old fashioned, but uh, I'm kind of a cardboard guy. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I've tried to get into it. I've tried to look at them and it's just, it's, I can't wrap my head around it. I know there's a lot of smart people that have made a lot of money on them. Actually, as we're talking, I just looked, they do not have NHL licensing on these the jersey okay. it's the color but the jersey actually says gretzky and it looks like an oilers kind of jersey but it just says gretzky so mm, not for me yeah not for me either but i tried to get one but just i can't imagine we'll talk a lot about nfts but i think where like in this case where it is relevant obviously for me the greatest player of all time if you listen to episode one <laughs> troy's second favorite player <laughs> of all time but like i said we'll talk about nfts probably pretty sparingly so uh from there we'll we'll transition into personal pickups uh i think both of us did have a couple of interesting buys this week i definitely have been jumping on the vasilevsky train and did pick up a 2020 red pmg number to 100 got it for around 40 dollars. i'm not sure yet if i'm gonna try to flip that if they make a deeper run Maybe try to double my money or something like that, or hold it from the long term. Could you uh, uh, kind of could cool you explain card. PMG? Precious metal gems, gotcha. the skybox, and you know I think twenty twenty. The one thing that is a little bit unique about that is that's the first standalone year for skybox metal universe uh, hockey. So. Uh, I thought that was a good buy. I also uh, probably on the not great buy perspective is when you know coming off round one, I did buy four or five raw Carter Verhage young guns, really cheap for about five bucks each. So I'm just going to hold them and hopefully he picks up next season with some of the momentum that uh, that he had uh, after after this year. And then the the last thing I bought is a raw. I bought a, a 2020 Kaprizov Young Guns, the 2005 Tribute Edition. I think I got a pretty good deal on it. The card looks great. I might sit, send this one to SGC. I have a preference for this Tribute Young Guns because it's got he's wearing the wild jersey with the North Stars colors, and it's just pretty freaking awesome. <laughs> that's that's cool i will i will vouch for it i saw it you sent it I me mean, a picture it looks absolutely beautiful all right Troy. what did you buy this week so this week i only had one purchase and my purchase was strictly for the pc 
being in Minnesota, I'm trying to get a little bit better at, at uh, collecting wild players. So I brought uh, bought I bought a 2013 uh, 14 Panini National Treasures Jonas Brodin rookie patch auto. It's a rated or it's graded a BGS nine and the auto's a ten. I paid forty dollars for it on eBay, which I thought was an absolute fantastic deal. It's a really nice looking patch, three color. The auto looks fantastic. So this is one that's going in the PC and in the display case. Okay, so I know that this is a little bit of a Homer question, Minnesota <laughs> Wild, getting into the weeds a little bit, but where do you see Brodeen from a league-wide perspective? Where does he rank to you with you know current defensemen? He, to me, is in just above the middle of the pack. He used to be, he was in his rookie year, and I think the year after, he actually did really, really well. Now he's become kind of just, I think he's in just a little bit of middle of the pack. He's not the offensive threat that some of yeah. these people are. And like I kind of talked about last last show, defensemen are expected now to be offensive. This The game is changing. It's even at where I coach in the high school level, it's all about scoring and making plays and creating offense, and the D need to do that. Now there's something to be said about a really good D that just plays defense and you know stays at home, doesn't get beat. But I look at Brodine as just above middle of the pack right now. And does he get sure. does he get back to that top ten? I don't I don't know. But that's that's what so I would you say maybe a better player than hockey card market performer? Oh for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, guys, that is our show for this week. Hopefully you found the information to be entertaining and useful. Just a couple of quick reminders. Be sure to follow Hockey Cards Gong Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Those are the social communities that we are firing up and working to build. We'll see you next week. Thank you, everyone.